The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Café. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Café, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. We've got a fantastic program in store for you folks today. We are stemming off of yesterday's interview with Dean Bankson. He's a research scientist at North Dakota State University. I'm making all kinds of noises here in the studio today. I apologize, folks. Woo! It's a busy day, you know. Sometimes what we say in the media business so many times because I don't know if you notice this, but you can turn on this radio station and it is there's somebody on here all the time. There's somebody on here. Might be a local person. Might be a regional person, might be a national person, but there's somebody always on. And if you go on the internet, someone's on the internet. So things are just moving ahead, whether you want to or not. So in the media, what we say is so often we are changing oil while going down the interstate. Now, how relevant is that line to you folks out there? How many times every day do you feel like, you know, I'm just driving 75 miles an hour down this interstate and I guess I'll just change the oil too then. That's what life feels like sometimes, you know? And um, that's what's going on here today. That's my excuse for making noise unprofessionally here on the air, so I do apologize for that. Let's get in today's program. Why don't we just do that? Let's be professional here on this Wednesday hump day. See, right there, I'm not professional. Why should I giggle at that? Okay, let's go ahead and get into the crude life interview here today with uh, Dean Banks, an NDSU research scientist here on the Multimedia Cafe. Of course, I mentioned the Crude Life. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network, and we are very happy to be part of that network. 350,000 social media followers at thecrudelife.com. Click on our social media tabs. We've got a number of pages. You know, we've got the YouTubes and the Twitters and the Tweeters and the Facebooks, and I don't think we got the Snapchat, SnapTweet. I don't think we got that. Maybe. Instapost. I think we... Instagram? Yeah, okay, we got that now, too. As you can see, folks, I'm not really heavy on the social media. I'm on that LinkedIn. I got like 28,000 followers on LinkedIn, and Facebook I'm pretty active on as well, but not so much on the Instapost and the Snapfish and all those other things, but we've got other people that are, so go to our social media link on the crudelife.com and click on it. And Here at the Multimedia Cafe, we're very proud to be part of that network. So... Let's talk a little bit about today's program. Let's see. Dean Bankson, NDSU research scientist. The reason we have him on here for two days is because he just got done doing the seventh installment of the economic impact study of the petroleum sector of North Dakota's economy. Well, we all know that, and if we don't know, we should know, the Bakken oil field is in North Dakota. And the Bakken oil field has really been essentially, outside of federal government subsidies, the Bakken has been the driver of the economy. I mean, you take away the universities, you take away all that government monies for the millennials and the innovators and the farmers and everything, and they, they ain't making any money. The oil and gas industry is the only industry that has added jobs over the last 10 years. 
I'm not taking a shot at any of those other industries. I'm just saying, if you took away the government subsidies, there would not be those industries. Have you noticed the airline prices have changed? From like, say, Rapid City, Jamestown, North Dakota, Bismarck, North Dakota, Toledo, Ohio. You go to any of those small markets, all of a sudden now, those aren't cheap anymore because the Obama-era administration, federal aviation subsidies went away. And now, they're a lot higher. But, you know, you can go like Sioux Falls, Winnipeg, Minneapolis, say for example, in that sector of I-94 there, and you can get three great rates there. And um, no longer though in the smaller ones. So my point is, if you took away subsidies, the oil and gas industry is really what is powering the entire country in terms of jobs. And that's what Dean actually gets into at a microcosm from NDSU's perspective. So yesterday, we did the first half of the interview. This today, we're doing the second half of the interview. Today's is really good because we get into the different job sector breakdowns and how if it wasn't for oil and gas technology would not even be booming in North Dakota and in, in the area. Oh, the reason North Dakota is because that's where the Bakken is. And the Bakken has been powering the jobs in the upper Midwest. And then this is just like the Permian, just like the Marcellus, just like all the other shale plays across the country. So America should be very grateful right now for the oil and gas industry. Otherwise, we would be having some serious recessional issues. That's fact. That is just fact. That's like that elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about because people really do not like giving oil and gas a pat on the back. They have a hard time doing that. Um, we grew up with uh, Harry the Dirty Dog, that book. Remember that book where Harry got all dirty and he went and hid the brush and all that stuff? Well, we're conditioned to think that stuff's dirty when it's not. It's just... I, I feel really bad for this industry. I really do. And they don't need my sympathy and they don't need anything like that. But it's just, I, you know, anyone who gets picked on all the time, even the big bully who gets picked on all the time, eventually you kind of feel far, sorry for him. But once you understand the oil and gas industry, you look at it a whole different way. I mean, I honestly believe they're the only ones trying to save the planet. Everyone else is just pointing pointing out problems and sipping their Keurigs and testing, texting on their iPhones and driving their electric cars powered by coal, you can't make it up. You just can't make it up what's going on right now. George Orwell is doing the happy dance right now in his grave. What's going on? Unbelievable. Okay, we got to take a quick break here. What do we got going on? Dean Banks and I said, and um, let's see. Let's see. Dean Banks and, okay, non-political study. What do we else? Infrastructure. That's the other one. Infrastructure investment. Seen a decline, but the pipelines and gas processing plants still remain active. So that's some good news. So we're going to get to Dean Bankson with North Dakota State University research scientist talking about his seventh installment of the economic impact study of the petroleum sector of the North Dakota's economy. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. 
with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Dean Bankson with NDSU. He's a research scientist. Uh, talking to the, to the point about the government revenues paid by the petroleum industry, um, the ones that are most visible or at least garner uh, a, a tremendous amount of scrutiny and, and, and constant observation is the severance taxes. And what we found over the course of the, thir- over the seven studies um, that we've done is that that has remained and probably in all likelihood will remain the single largest source.
source of revenues produced by the oil and gas re- industry in North Dakota. Um, and then what we're finding is that when we look at uh, state and tribal royalties, those have been increasing, and that flows right back to, you know, where is the oil production occurring in the state? Um, we're seeing a tremendous amount of, of oil activity uh, on the Fort Berthold Reservation. Um, we're seeing, you know, those numbers going up, but they do track fairly closely with sales, as you would expect, because severance taxes are such a large component of that. Um, the revenues that we looked at in 217 um, were almost as large as the revenues that we had uh, coming from the industry in 215. So the government revenues were nearly back to where they were in 215. We, we've got a little ways to go before we would get to the numbers that we measured in 213, but the revenues are uh, are rebounding to some extent. How about employment uh, changes, that sort of thing? We talked about the industries, but the actual employment itself, have you seen any any changes? Like, you know, I know you guys track the public and private sector, and then you also track the petroleum in this in this particular study. Was there any trends that, you know, there was a dip here and there should have been a spike here or that sort of thing? I know you touched on it earlier, and I just kind of wanted to, I guess, microchasm that little spot there. Well, I think there's there's several things we can look at with employment. Um, you know, we can look at employment within the industry. How is it potentially changing or, or what's driving those numbers? And then we can back off and we can look and say, okay, um, here's what we believe the petroleum industry's share of total state employment is. And then we can compare what's been happening in the industry to what's been happening at the state level. And I provided some some statistics on that uh, in, a, in a couple different slides on Energy Day that showed the one was the share of growth in the state that came from the oil and gas industry. And the one that I showed uh, later in the presentation was how well changes in oil and gas employment track with changes in the state or vice versa, however you want to want to form the causality. But um, the, the industry, I've always said in the last, probably the last 10 years that the, the oil and gas industry is the biggest driver of change in the state. Um, and you can talk about whether you believe it's the largest industry or not. That's really not the purpose of what we were doing here. But what we've seen is, is we've seen more jobs go in and out of this industry uh, to the extent that it's shaping the changes that we're seeing at the state level. So do you think the uh, employment is going to rebound? Pardon? Do you think employment's going to rebound? I see that's a kind of a, a part of the study you guys did. And I normally you don't you guys don't speculate. So um, I see that will well, employment think- rebound as one one slide you guys have. And I'm thinking <laughs> if I'm going to get you to speculate, man, I'm going to do it. Well, I think the the purpose of that being phrased as a question is to get people to think about um, what what we're learning as we're measuring the industry. Okay. So if our sales volumes um, and uh, the number of wells that we're putting in the ground are not dissimilar from previous periods, wouldn't we expect uh, employment to be similar if we were to compare that metric? And what we're finding is is that it's not. And so that speaks to the issue that we we talked about earlier, that um, efficiencies in the industry are going to suggest this industry needs fewer people 
to perform what it's been doing than it has in the past. And so that was a question about will employment rebound is not so much a forecasting question as keep in mind that, you know, we are not probably going to go back to the 90,000 jobs uh, in the state anytime soon. I'm not saying it can't happen. I mean, we could have a geopolitical event and price of oil goes off the chart, but in terms of what the industry itself is doing and what we're observing with the number of jobs is is that uh, sales might be back, uh, we might be sticking more than a thousand wells per year in the ground, but that doesn't mean we're going to return to the employment levels that we saw, you know, four or five years ago. This was kind of a nice part of the study. By the way, Dean Banks and with us, NDSU research scientist, we're talking about the economic impact study of the petroleum sector on NDSU's, I'm sorry, on North Dakota's economy, also the region um, in terms of job impact, et cetera. But you just studied North Dakota, I get that uh, in the industry, but it does impact the region. And I talked to a guy the other day, even Canada. So international impact here, folks. Okay, so... The study I'm looking at, impact per well and impact per rig, these really do, in terms of if you're going to Instagram something or you're going to bullet point it, uh, these really tell the story, don't they, Dean? Well, it's, it, it helps because when we, when we come forward and we say an industry has this billion in, in gross business volume and it contributed how many billion to the state's gross, gross state product, and we start talking about large numbers, um, it becomes difficult to to put those into context, and oftentimes, you know, we, we we do this with other industries too. It's you know, when you have a when you have a large number or a large set of numbers, can you bring it back to something that people can relate to? And that's the purpose of the of putting these numbers in in a function of impact per well and impact per rig. And yes, the numbers are large, um, and I think that's reflective of of the business volume that's that comes from these activities but when we look at impact per well i mean we're we're well over you know we're just under two million dollars in business volume in the state per well 150,000 in wage and salaries um you know over 100,000 in severance taxes you know we have still have over one job uh in the state per well um and when we look at the impacts per rig uh, they're, you know, they're equally as impressive. Um, you know, we're looking at each rig that you see is it contributes 150 million um, impact to the state. That's your business volume. Uh, you know, there, there's in the metrics will vary a little bit between you know 180 and 200 jobs uh, associated with those rigs. And so when you look at it from those perspectives, yeah, the numbers are 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 quite large that's that, that's the part that i was i i just cannot look past that 199 direct and secondary jobs per rig am i reading that right yep that yep. that is incredible isn't it well the the reason that number is high is you understand that uh, this that, is so, not, so that that is a high number. At least we got a baseline yeah, there. That 199 directed secondary jobs per thing. That's a high number. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, it's a high number, but there's there's a re, it depends how you want to to. Well, the 199 is reflected in the fact that we're counting fracking, we're counting the support that goes into providing all the necessary inputs and materials that go in with 
getting a well up and running. Mr. Dean Bangson, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a second. We're going to take a quick pause and we come back. We're going to continue the conversation with Dean Bangson with NDSU. He's a research scientist. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you will let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Dean Bankson, NDSU research scientist, about the impact of the petroleum industry on the region. Getting a well up and running. So it's not limited to the jobs that are on the rig itself, those, those individuals that are doing the actual drilling. It's a broader concept than that, but we put it on the, on the, we call it impact per rig because that's the physical activity that most people can identify with. Well, this is what I think people need to start understanding. This is why I'm saying that, you know, um, when, when you start talking to people and they, and they want to end the fossil fuel industry and all these different things, I just don't think they understand what they're talking about and how much of a just immediate impact they would have. Like I was talking to someone the other day, and this is, this is, not, to meant, this is not to get into politics here, but the whole, you know, let's end fossil f- fuels movement that uh, a lot of environmentalists are trying to do. And when I see like the 199 direct and secondary jobs, to me, that's like, you guys have to really understand this, that one rig has this much of an impact. And actually, honestly, I think that's being kind of conservative because we're not talking about the cafes, are we? No, not directly. No, that's Um, what I mean. So we're not even talking about the third direct jobs here. We're only talking about the direct and the secondary. But you know as well as I do that the cafes and a lot of those, 
you know, flower shop type things, they, they would not be in business if the rigs were not drilling. Is that, is that a well, fair statement? There's a considerable amount of employment that's supported uh, because of the rigs. Now, the one thing... See, that's why I love you. You can take my blunt statement and actually make it more factual. <laughs> well, the one, one of the challenges that I have is, that's part of my job is when we look at how are jobs supported and created, we have to look at the flow of dollars and, and how activity supports the creation of a job. In other words, if let's talk about retail because you or a cafe because you wanted to use that as an example. How does a cafe expand employment? Well, it would expand employment if the existing number of jobs are inadequate to handle the, the volume of whatever it is, number of meals or number of people or number of locations. And, that, and that's driven from a, a demand side. Um, one of the challenges with the drilling activity that we put that, that caveat to is that a large number of these guys um, are here on shift work. In other words, they, they're here, they work long shifts, they work for so many days and they're off. A fair number of them kind of, I, I call it fleeing the state to go back home for a few, short period of time. But this, this commuting workforce is more prevalent in the drilling part of the industry than it is in the production side. So, you know, we, there is quite a bit of job support as a result of that, but perhaps not as much as we would think if, if all of those jobs were supported by in-state residents as opposed to com- a commuting workforce. Kind of so, one. Oh, go ahead. So, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that, that's one of the challenges we have when we look at this is, is how much of the payroll that's, that's being generated by the industry it's translated into the personal uh, consumption of goods and services. And in some industries, we have a near 100% resident workforce. And we see those numbers are adjusted upwards a little bit, like on a per worker basis. But because that's, you know, that's a, that's a difficult number to derive, we use, we use some statistics to come up with, with estimates of that. Um, and that's what they are, they're estimates. So uh, how many jobs are supported by drilling? It's easier to measure that more precisely when we look at the flow of dollars that come from the supply of goods and services that go into the drilling and fracking than it is from the jobs that are supported by workers that we know are probably not state residents. Dean Banks, an NDSU research scientist on the line with us here, and uh, we're kind of talking about the economic impact study of the petroleum sector. Last, this is the seventh installment that they've done since 2005, you said was the first year? Okay, so since 2005, so uh, you can certainly go to the Dean's website, and they've got uh, them there, but we'll have them on ours as well. I imagine the Petroleum Council has it there as well. So there's a lot of places now to find this particular study. And if you want to take a look at it, we'll have the links available. But just kind of final thoughts here, wrapping up. We've gone over a lot of information, and um what what are you kind of what do you want people to take away from this? Either you know, did we is there something we should reiterate? Is there something we forgot? Maybe you want to mention? Just kind of, I like to give guests the final final thought and the floor, so to speak. So the uh, go ahead, man. The floor is yours. We appreciate that. Um, you know, I think there's there's a couple school of thoughts. One is people are waiting for things to go back to the chaos that we had before, and I don't think that's going to happen. Um, there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, we look at 
what occurred in 216, uh, and people and people look at that as a floor. We have a job. We have an industry that supports employment. You know, nearly 10 times higher than it did in 2005 in 216. So we've we've grown the industry. The industry is now growing again. Um, I think that bodes well for the state. Uh, will it will it change commensurately to what we saw in the past? I don't think so. But nonetheless, uh, it, it remains one of the biggest drivers of, of economic output in the state. And that was Dean Bankson, research scientist with North Dakota State University, otherwise known as NDSU. And to access that interview or other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. YouTubes, all of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe.
Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Blue Whale. You get a bully in the morning. And hear that ding dong ring. Get up to the table there, son. You see the same old thing. Spoon and plate on the table. Nothing in that pan. Complain, son. There'll be trouble with the man. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight special, Lord, shine a light on me. Where you see Miss Sally, how to think I know by the clues you wear, yeah. the way she walks. On her shoulder, paper in her hand. See the warden now, she's gonna free her man. Let the midnight special shine a light on me. Let the midnight special Lord shine a light on me. Bob.
with midnight special shine a light on me let the midnight special Lord shine a light on me let the midnight special shine a light on me let the midnight special Lord shine its ever Loving light right on down on Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. If you don't hear a fiddle or a steel guitar A hillbilly singing by the honky-tonk bar The bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough And brother, it ain't country, no If it don't tug at your heartstrings and tear at your soul Get you up and dancing, going out of control You hear it on the radio and don't turn it up Brother, it ain't country, no if you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some booze to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool old school bar stool jams. I'm drinking line laughter love. So if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts a rockin', then brother, it ain't country enough. If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day It's got a pop back beat and it's sung the wrong way Charlie Daniels wouldn't dig it, man, Hank Jr. would say it sucks and Brother, it ain't country, no or If instead of using English, you use foreign words Win a competition that you didn't deserve Some fur coat-wearing wannabes producing your stuff and Brother, you ain't country, no if you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some boots to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool old school bar stool times, not drinking, lying, laughter, and love. So if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts rocking, brother, it ain't country enough. Yeah, if your feet ain't jumping once a band starts rocking, brother, it ain't country Ladies and gentlemen, Bryce Nymler with I Love You, Son. The world premiere. When your soul has been divided between this world and what's above You feel you're going down more than up There's only one thing you can do And that's believe the word that's true If you can 
can stop the noise you can hear him say seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. He is a person in this market and now in markets across the country with Hatch Coaching that is revolutionizing the way people approach the business. He's reinventing the way people look at the people model. That's why he brings in hundreds of people from all over the country who are trying to figure out how to do what he's doing in their market. For more information, call 701-212-1572. Or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 